us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we ask that you would be with us, that you would speak to us, oh, God, as only you can. We ask that we would center on your word, and as we have already been caressed by this beautiful ministry of music, we pray, oh, God, that you would bless us as we open and break bread with the word. May the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, thou who art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Um, I bring you greetings again um, on behalf of Jesus Christ, who is our risen Lord and Savior. And it is truly a pleasure to be here with you all once again. Um, many of you may remember me from, uh, I guess, last spring and summer. And I did bring um, my children with me and one of their friends. And my boys always say, Christ our King is their church. And I want you to know that. They're very touched by the love of this church. And when I first started preaching here, we had eight and 11. And they were asked to usher for one of the eight o'clock services. You never know the way you're impacting somebody's life. Mm. You just gotta share that love of Jesus Christ. So keep on keeping on. I say, no, we, we visit crown. Christ our King is our church. And so they got up at 6.30 to come to worship. Thanks be to God, God is good. So I am a member of um, the self-development of people of the Presbyterian Church. Has anyone ever heard of self-development of people? All right. And so, you know, the self-development of people is the mission arm, one of the mission arms of our denomination. And it comes under the Compassion, Peace, and Justice Ministry Unit. And as a member of that national board, I have the opportunity from time to time to go to conferences. And do you know that this is advocacy, ecumenical advocacy weekend in Washington, D.C.? I didn't know either. I'm ashamed. I've been doing this work for many a year. And I happened to um, have participated in a workshop yesterday, Friday, for our denomination. Friday was Compassion peace and justice training. And so we had leaders from around the Presbyterian Church that came and heard workshops on drug trafficking and sex trafficking and how the church is working all over the world to help people that are in need, the forgotten and the distressed. And then from the 20th until the 23rd, we have our brothers and sisters from all over the country that come for ecumenical advocacy days. And this is when our people of God will gather in DC and will meet with elected officials and will talk about the issues, reminding them of how they are to be on the right side of justice. And this is the reading that comes from our Compassion, Peace and Justice web website. It reads, in a time of historically high levels of migration, we see that racism, 
xenophobia, sexism, and religious bigotry are gaining a dangerous foothold in the public arena. Violent conflict, climate change, and corruption each format discord and raise the stakes for vulnerable populations. We believe that God is capital D with the dreamers, the migrant and the outcasts, that God calls us to create places of sanctuary, to offer hospitality to the stranger, and to welcome all regardless of faith and race gender identity or nationality, and that we must break down the dividing walls that separate us, opposing the false narratives spawned by hatred. We have some beautiful writings in our church. I invite you to go to the Compassion, Peace, and Justice website and see what the Lord is saying and how we have responded to God's word. And so I want to talk to you for just a moment about this text in Micah. What does the Lord require of you? God requires that you do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You know, a lot of times we don't want to talk about the poor. But when we talk about the poor, we must also talk about privilege because you can't talk about poverty without talking about privilege. You can't talk about the have-nots without talking about the haves, right? You can't talk about weight loss until you talk about weight gain. And so that's one of the themes that was coming out of this conference in D.C. on Friday. How can we talk about poverty if we won't want to talk about privilege? And it's okay to be privileged, isn't it? Yes? It's, we ought not feel guilty about being privileged, but what it means is we are called to stand on the side of justice. It maybe means we don't have some of the stresses of people that are homeless because we have a home. So maybe I can do a little more work in the life of the church now that my children are gone. Anybody? Right? And so it just means that we're looking and we're analyzing the current society to be educated so that we can do what God requires of us. And so my boys are not in this worship. They were here for eight, so they're fine. But my oldest son does not want to go to his prom this year, and he's in 11th grade. He's a handsome thing. He does not want to go to prom. Now, Khalil is in worship. This is good-looking Khalil. Stand up, Khalil. Khalil's going to about two, three proms, okay? And, 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 and we had a conversation. There are a few girls that also want to take, want Shadi to go to their prom, and he just doesn't want to go. And he said, I'm going to go to my senior prom next year. But his uncle said to him, you are a black male and you may not be here next year. Mm. What does the Lord require of us? The Lord requires that we stand up for what's right. That we look in the eyes of institutional racism and we say we will not allow you to continue to survive. 
We will fight for justice and righteousness. There are some of us that came to this country for free, some that came for, as slaves, some that have come here because they were politically oppressed and raped and robbed in their own country. Who cares how we came here? We're all here together. There are people that die coming into America. I don't feel that I have a right to tell somebody that they have to go back home. I love this text because it reminds us of what we ought to do. And the people of Israel happened to be in a time when the judicial system was not equally fair. And so there, there weren't the same rights for widow women as there were for married women. Amen. I'm single. And I get, I mean, I love that couples get this great tax break. Guess what I get? Nothing. Any other singles in the house? Nothing. I need a husband. Find me a husband. Uh, come on. No. Only kidding about that. What does God require that we stand up? And so today I just want to talk to you about a few people that I know have understand what it means to stand up for justice. It's standing up not just for you, but for all of God's children. Because every child you should see as, every, as your child. And every grandmother you should see as your grandmother. What did Jesus say? They said, oh, the Lord, your, your, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside. Hmm, what did he say? Who is my mother. Let me tell you who my mother is. Let me tell you who my father is. If we look through this world through the eyes of Jesus, that we will, we will destroy systematic racism. And the young people have one of their t-shirts that says, destroy systematic racism, and it has the Pac-Man on it. You all remember Pac-Man, right? Our young people, maybe they'll see the Pac-Man in the Smithsonian because they don't know nothing about no Pac-Man. Seems so long ago. But we've got to stand up for that which is right. And so I applaud the, the teacher in Baltimore that took pictures when the children were sitting in classrooms and cold. You can't learn when you're hungry. You sure can't learn when you're freezing cold. I don't know if you remember Shifra and Pua in uh, the second chapter of Exodus. The people of Israel have now come into Egypt and it starts off with, and then there was a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. And the people of Israel had become so populous that the Pharaoh says, we must kill every male that is born. And so we knew at that time we had midwives, right? And so he says to the midwives, every time there is a girl, you let her live. Well, girls weren't, we weren't, we didn't amount to anything, sisters, I'm really sorry. But have we come a long way? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But then we weren't. We were lower than animals. But these women continued to let the males live. And so they're summoned before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, please tell me why you are not following this rule. And they say, those Hebrew women got wide hips, and they birthed that boy before we can get to the room pretty smart. Women that were standing up for justice, they had no power, they were slaves, 
They let their faith over trump their fear. And at Jubilee Arts, we say fear is what? False evidence appearing real. We say that our God is not a God of stress, but a God of peace. And there is no fear in God. And so these two women stood up, and we know that these two women protected whom? Moses. Hmm. How many teachers do we have here in the house? How many of you are doctors and, and nurses or, 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 or working in civil service or first responders? You never know who it is that you were saving. You may be saving the next president of the United States, whatever her name is going to be. <laughs> the second part of this pericope says about justice but to love mercy. And this word mercy is the word hesed in Hebrew, and it means loyal love, loving kindness, and so it's about a relationship that happens. You can't have justice without mercy. Like you can't have peanut butter without jelly and macaroni without cheese and crabs without beer. Y'all don't know anything about crabs without beer. But anyway, you've got to have that mercy. And that, that mercy is the, the justice is your outward expression. And the mercy is what happens on the inside. It's your relationship with God. And so it allows you not to criticize people that say they are oppressed. And so you don't get mad when people say black lives matter and then say, well, all lives matter. Well, we know all lives matter. But black lives haven't mattered for a long time. And so you stand up for justice, and the mercy allows you to advocate for someone else. That is why we are required to have justice and mercy. And then we're able to bring it all together in this walk with God. Follow me? And so if, if there is an issue, then we all decide we're going to get our clothes on and we're going to stand. You could just stand in your living room and pray. You could go to the church and pray. But you can stand in different ways. And so I applaud the church for the work that you've done in the ministry that you have in Kenya. I mean, there aren't that many churches that go to another country and build the churches in your name, right? The church in Kenya? Yeah, y'all something. Mm-hmm. Y'all good something. I'm being facetious about that. That's a good thing. And you understand what it means about justice and righteousness. What does the Lord require? That we do it not only for those that look like us, but all God's children. And so I'm thinking about women like Shifra and Pua who helped to birth a nation. I think of the daughters of Zelophehad. Are you familiar with them? In Numbers chapter 27, invite you to look at these five women. Their father, whose name was Zelophehad, had died. And the Jewish law was that the wealth went where, women? To the what? To the men. That's right. 
And because there were no sons, they were just going to divide the land. And these five women went and knocked on the door of the tent where Moses was and said, hello, it is not fair. We're standing up for justice and righteousness. And we believe that our father's land should go to us. And guess what? Moses prayed to God, and God said, give those women their father's land. And one of their male cousins, you know, it's always a male cousin. I'm only getting, the male cousin said, well, we want, you know, if they can marry anybody, then that means the land will go out of our family. They said, we will marry within the tribe. We will marry within the tribe. And so there are so many heroes, and we say sheroes, women in the Bible that have stood up on the side of righteousness and justice. And if they could do it back then, we can do it today. And so I applaud the woman in the Starbucks that took out her camera and took a picture of that was wrong and unjust. I was amazed that as they talked about these two black men that they arrested for nine hours because they had to go to the bathroom they never talked about their demographic. Didn't say they grew up on the south side of Philadelphia. They had a life of crime, and because they didn't. And I get angry for the first 10 minutes of the 11 o'clock news, because I see more black men from 11 to 11.10 than I see in my whole day. Every picture of every black, I mean, as if every black man and every black boy is a crook and a thief and is killing and shooting. That's how we had lynching in this country for 50 years. And so I always try to advocate and I call the news about a good story. And these young people are a good story, but it is hard to get the coverage. They made $12,000 last year selling their t-shirts. $12,000. Do you know what the median income is in Sandtown, Winchester? $11,000. Mm. Some of them made more than their mothers make in a year. Because people at Sandtown, like Elder Harrison, Mrs. Harrison, Todd Marcus, and the people that you've been supporting through Martha's Place, stood up for justice. These young people have made, guess how much money they've made? in the first quarter of this year. $8,000. Don't tell me God is not good. They went to Light City last night, and I'm watching the news, and I, I could not go to sleep, because I cannot go to sleep until I know that my son is in that house. They are big, but they are babies. But when you look at three of them, you can get some fear in your heart. And one wrong move, and they could be dead. We have got to stand up for justice. And I'm glad that these two men and that Starbucks did not resist. Because there are five famous words. I feared for my life. And that's all anybody has to say now is an excuse for killing. And the man had to go to the bathroom. Remember that, right? 
had to go to the bathroom. So he locked him up. And you know how long they were in jail? Nine hours. So how long does it take you to figure that out? Nine hours. Now he had to go to the bathroom before the commotion. Do you think they let him go to the bathroom? Do you think they let him go to, I don't think they let him go to the bathroom. How long did it take for him to go through the whole system before he got, and you know, I'm sure none of you have been in jail, but there's one big cell that they put you on, and there's a nasty, stinky toilet in the middle. I'm sure by the time he got in behind that gate, he had already gone to the bathroom on himself. What does justice require? I love that the owner of Starbucks came into Philadelphia and sat with these boys, and he learned about what it meant to be a black man in America. We only will change through relationships with one another. It's only when I hear someone's undocumented story that maybe I will change my opinion about those who are undocumented. It's only when I hear about your story that I will have an understanding of how you feel about an issue. It's around the table. They sat in Starbucks and had some coffee and talked to one another. And there was some healing. I just pray that there's healing for the woman, the manager that called, because she has also been affected. We have all been affected. The Bible says, let justice roll down like a river and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is not the sermon I plan to preach today, church, but this is what God wanted me to preach today. And I thank God that you're open enough to hear it. God is calling us to stand up on the right side of justice. Yesterday in my closing, we went to a, um, a fundraiser at a church and it was a play around what happens when you get upstairs and meet your maker. And there was a preacher who went up and he had his Bible and he stands there and the angel of God is there at the pearly gates and, and he's telling her to let him in and she goes, uh, what's your name? And she looks, oh, your name is not on the list. Oh, my name is, oh, your name is not on the list. What do you mean? I preached and I, yep, you preached and you prayed, but you didn't believe it. And for about 20 minutes, there was an elder that came down the aisle that had come before the pearly gates and the clerk of session and the choir director and all these folk thought they were getting into the kingdom. And one by one, she said, nope, your name is not on the list. But then there was a homeless man. And he continued to spread the good news of the gospel, even when people gave him money. And the woman said, welcome. God has been waiting for you. You have lived the right life. God is pleased with you. And so at a time in this country where we have young people that are protesting. Isn't it, isn't it a joy to see all those young people in Washington, D.C. that were standing up for justice? When's the last time you stood up? Just a question. What does the Lord require of us to stand up? Who's supposed to 
in poverty, justice. Who's supposed to make sure that every child has a good education in a school that's not falling apart? Justice. Who's supposed to make sure that there's social security when I'm ready to, to, to retire? And who's supposed to make sure that our young people have respect for us mature seniors? Justice. Just us. Just us. Just us. Amen.